Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Amazing to have my two fellow founding members of the Trending in Education squad. Yeah, I'll call it a squad. I'm rejoined today by Brandon Jones and Dan Strafford. Welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Feels like it's been both a matter of years and a matter of moments. Good to be back with both you guys. Absolutely. And Dan, I know we had you back on with Melissa a little bit recently, and you've been kind of a semi-regular really throughout. I'm I'm not making a joke. It's not a judgment. Sporadic. You know, you're a contributor. You're around. You've been in our universe, but you're getting back into our universe. You were the guy who really got us off the ground way, way, way back in 2016. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'm trending in ed adjacent. So mm. uh, appreciate being part of the universe. And yeah, crazy to think we were talking before we started recording, you're nearing 600 episodes in the not too yeah. distant future. That is a crazy high number. We talked about pod fading a lot back mm. when we first started and the idea of starting something and then it just disappearing. Pretty incredible to see a lasting legacy from our working together days. Now, all of us in three other ventures, but still getting back together. That's right. We were a part of the Kaplan Mothership we were kind of like the P-Funk of the Kaplan mothership is the way <laughs> I, I kind of thought about it. But yeah, we've now emerged. From, I'm going to shift metaphors. We've emerged from the chrysalis. We've all bloomed as caterpillars. We're all now wonderful butterflies. But Brandon, what you've been up to? Like you've been on since you left and we were talking about behavioral health. Can you catch folks up on what you've been up to? Yeah, thanks. Still up to a lot of the same or at least at the same place as I was when last I was on the show. So I'm at Triad uh, and Triad is, there's three prongs of the Triad. So it's an education community and career, but specifically dedicated to behavioral and mental health, supporting students, professionals, organizations. I have been there since I left Kaplan back in 2019. We're doing really cool things there. Behavioral health is a really important space to me personally and has been really rewarding professionally. I'm doing enough of what I was doing before and as much as we had an education component, both exam prep and continuing education. Right. Uh, but doing it in a new space, in a new space that is, again, really important. Uh, it's important to the world. It's increasingly important. Basically, something approaching all of us need some support now. Right. And I'm thrilled to be there. So happy to share yeah. more as we get into sure. the show. Today. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as opposed to pod fading, I like to think of it as pod thriving. And you're helping, thriving. Fo- helping folks thrive. And I do happen to know that there is a thriving podcast that's been live, I think, since 2020, if I remember right. Yeah, that's right. We launched our first uh, episode on April 20th, 2020. And just a, a quick plug, I'll do a couple of these, uh, shamelessly so, but for uh, Behavioral Health Today. So find uh, Behavioral Health Today wherever you get your podcasts. We are now up over 200,000 downloads, which is exciting. We've crossed the 200 episode mark. Uh, hosted by Graham Taylor, who is a psychologist with 30 years of clinical experience in both hospitals and private practice settings. We've also expanded to two other hosts, Dr. Aaron Elmore, and we've got a new host, Charlie Dixon, coming on awesome. as a social worker. We've had U.S. senators come on the show. We had the guy who hosted the Aaron Rodgers Darkness Retreat. He was one of our recent wow. guests. You had me at Ayahuasca. We cover the gamut. There's a lot of ways to do behavioral health, so to speak, mm-hmm. and we cover across the board. And then also a uh, thank you to, to you, Mike. I know I thanked you before uh, offline. You helped us launch this show that, you know, three years later is still thriving. So yeah. uh, appreciate that. And it's become a really good thought leadership vehicle for us and excited to see that pod uh, also continue to flourish. Absolutely. You know, that is kind of in the 
the DNA of this show, which was really started in that way for Kaplan, you know, like how do we engage the rest of the world? And, you know, increasingly people are exploring new media formats. And, you know, back in the day we were in video. Now we're video. Isn't that exciting, guys? This is video. I mean, it's exciting for us. Imagine for our viewers. Although listening still has its advantages. You know, I'm all about the learn holes. I'm, I'm an ear reader. I like to get the information in there. You can speed it up. Although actually you can speed up video. It just looks a little weird. But yeah, you know, the technology keeps moving forward. The other technology that's out there that we talked about, you know, I, I was listening as prep. I was listening to the first episode in our feed where interestingly, the first 30 episodes are now the quote unquote lost episodes. So there are 30 episodes of Trending in Ed from back in 2016 into spring of 2017 that are currently missing. If you've seen them, let me know. The Amber Alert should be going out right now. We're missing 30 episodes of Trending in Ed. But then the 31st episode, the first episode that's in the feed is our March Madness conversation going into March, the bracketology going into the 2017 March Madness brackets. And, you know, at the time, the number one seed, the overdog that we were talking about was artificial intelligence. Right. The number 16 seed, I think it was mindful learning, which full circle kind of comes back to some of the stuff you're doing now, Brandon, around behavioral health, being mindful, thinking about self-care. But then AI is the other massive theme that we talked about a ton. We probably talked about it so much back in 16, 17, 18, that people were like, God, these guys are talking about AI again. And then it happened. So and then, then it within, sure did. Yeah, within the last year, it really has happened. We're going to bring Nancy in to get her perspective in a little bit. This is the just us humans part of the show. But just as us humans, you know, what's it been like for each of you? The year of AI, which is really, you know, we're coming up on a year since chat GPT 3.5 hit the scene right around Turkey Day last year. What's it been like for each of you trying to wrap your head around that trend? I'll add some things that I know, Dan, I want to hear your perspective too. It's all AI all the time, honestly, and, and it's not like a throwaway or a glib comment. It's here and it is used in production. I'll share a little bit uh, later in the show about how it's being used in production at Triad today. Mm. But, you know, everything from the adoption of ChatGPT specifically, so the number of months it took to get to 100 million users. Yeah. For Instagram was 30 months. For TikTok is nine months. For ChatGPT was two months. Two months right, right. from its launch to get to 100 million uh, right. monthly users. I think a lot of that was attributed to my episode with Nancy. <laughs> I assume so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's probably at least 60 or 70 million of those users came from out of that show. Yeah. Uh, I do think a, a thing, and um, this is a hot take, but as, as an early user of uh, ChatGPT, I, I was in in the, the you know first few days once yeah. people started using it. I really found the interface was just incredible. Like the the fact that mm -hmm. it would respond, like you see the cursor on the screen, it would respond about as fast as a human can read. Yeah. As opposed to, for example, something it also could have just as easily done and that, you know, other AI technologies have been doing is just producing blocks of text at right. a time. Right. It made it feel conversational in a way that I think we, I had never really experienced before. And mm -hmm. so I think that was, 
it may be an underappreciated part of how it caught fire. It was AI, but built for humans. It felt like yeah. the human interface of being able to send us information about the speed that we could read was was really purpose-built for us. We had our dance it's, partner. We had Ginger Rogers to our Fred Astaire. That's right. The backwards and the heels version of what we were doing yep. was really incredible to see. So a lot more thoughts on AI. You asked us in prep for this episode, what new hotness has been capturing our attention? Yeah. Uh, that's... I don't know how it could be anything other than AI. I have a handful of things I want to share, but Dan, I want to make sure to yeah. hear from you too. How have you been using ChatGPT and other AI tools? So it is a fascinating time to be a media producer when it comes to AI, because you see things like Photoshop and Lightroom, and even now After Effects and Premiere Pro, these are all part of the Adobe Creative Cloud, are starting to use generative AI as part of their process. And they sort right. of make suggestions along the way. There's just a video shared... I want to say from Adobe, from one of their sort of uh, in-person events where they were able to generate a brand new suit on an actor and actually make it move. Mm -hmm. And it looked fine. It looked legitimately like something that happened in real time. Did they use smart dust to uh, make that happen? It's possible. I think that's okay. patent pending. But that's a game changer for a multimedia producer, right? If I can not even really worry about the shot I'm taking and still get the shot I wanted, it does also put a lot of people out of work. That's been a discussion mm. around this. A director no longer needs to be there to worry about a shot if it's capturing the general sense of it. Writers, we've seen the writer strike come to a conclusion. I've been using ChatGPT for work simply to start my research. The idea of, hey, write me a script on this and right. I'm gonna read it. Here's what I need to change for our brand, for what mm -hmm. we're doing. And then personally, I've used it similarly with daughter's homework or with things that I need to better understand quickly to get there. I've played around with mid-journey and the other sort of generative AI mm -hmm. imagery. I find this, the interesting sort of cross-section of this all is, I don't know if you saw Microsoft AI, Bing, Generation, generated an image with Mickey Mouse in it. I'm not going to go mm -hmm. into details of it, but it had a very specific date and time in our history that was tough for a lot of people. The image itself is awful, but it's the idea that it's a pretty solid depiction of Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Disney has not released their, you know, treasure right. trove of data to Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So how is this AI parsing data all across yeah. the internet to piece together a really convincing yeah. version of Mickey Mouse in this awful scenario? Right. I mean, I heard a similar story about how they were training the AI just using English. And then suddenly the AI was able to speak Farsi. And the people who were training it didn't even understand how yeah. that happened. You know, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, I've, I've had similar experiences just as a producer, as a maker. If you decide to ride that wave, there's some pretty good surfing to be had right now. You can right. be more productive than it exactly. used to take a lot more work to be super prolific. And now I'm adopting. I yeah. like I am. I've said this before. If You know, if it, it can help me do my job faster and better. I want to know how it works. Will right. I use it all the time? No. I have earlier in life been bullheaded and ignored trends and said, I'm going to do it my way and, and forget this technology. But I've learned, hey, learn it. Like, don't right. ignore it or don't sort of rage against it. See right. how it can help you. See how you need to adjust over time and be the one on the trend, trending in education, be the one on the trend rather than the one trying to push against it. Because right. we've talked about the Gartner hype cycle. This stuff is coming. We've talked yeah. about it for years. We right. can't ignore it. And we can't say, I'm going to be better than it. I need to learn how to use it properly and make my right. life easier. Right. AI is not going to take your job. 
somebody else using AI is going to take your job. Exactly. So you should probably use AI. Yeah. And it's, it's good. It's good to turn a phrase. I don't know. It's good that your job is going to be taken, but another turn of phrase that I've been hearing lately, not mine, but one that I like is augmented intelligence, yep. which is confusingly also called AI. You know, you would mm. think that maybe you could have done something different <laughs> AI. Speaking of AI, I just saw Alan Iverson and Shaq are getting yeah. involved with Reebok. So AI talking about practice. Yeah, talking about practice. Yeah, you know, talking about the game. That AI. And interesting, you need to practice with AI to get good with it. But anyway, right. shout out, <laughs> shout out to AI. But yes, yeah. we're not talking Alan Iverson. You're talking augmented intelligence. Augmented intelligence. It's a term of art that is used and has been used for a couple of years by the AMA, American Medical Association. One of the early uses of AI pre-chat GPT in the medical field is in radiology, you know, thinking about what computers can do just much better than humans and processing yeah. images, for example, is one of those things that, you know, it's, it's just very clearly something that machines can do better, but there is still human insight that is needed. And so one of the things that, you know, the AMA heard from radiologists, you know, MDs who were trained in this field is that they were feeling both sort of threatened by and, you know, maybe sort of marginalized by AI. And I, I think honestly, in, in a, another demonstration, the power of language, the AMA changed the way it talks about AI use in radiology to make it augmented intelligence. Yeah. You know, it emphasizes human intelligence rather than replaces it. In my field, just as a quick note, the behavioral health equivalent of images in radiology is talk and speech to text. There's just more when you think about a core, it's not true of all therapy, but in a lot of therapy, like the core medium is talk therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there are just so many more words to process than any yeah. human practically could process, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so machines are just going to be better at that. But I don't think that today, anyway, they're going to have the nuance and the training, really the, the specific training to extract insights from that or put those extractable insights from that large data set analysis into practice. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think augmented intelligence is, is also applicable in, in behavioral health. And so, right. I, you know, I'm not sure another kind of AI is actually going to catch on in the parlance of our times, but I do right. think that the spirit of that, you know, a human who is using AI expertly in terms of prompt engineering, in terms of using tooling that's available to her is mm -hmm. going to be better than a human that doesn't. I really right. do believe that. It's not John Henry versus the steam engine. It's John Henry using the steam engine. Right. Ride that engine, cowboy. Let's it. go. To your point, in getting ready for this episode, I was Googling any number of things and trying to figure out connections. And I did see an article on today.com about a mother who was dealing with a son who had tons of medical issues, but no doctor could diagnose. 17 mm -hmm. different doctors not diagnosing. She mm -hmm. typed the symptoms into ChatGBT. ChatGBT spit out a potential diagnosis. She went on a Facebook group, posted a doctor there diagnosed, brought it back. That's spina bifida. That's what the right. child had. And so mm -hmm. to your point, it's, you know, the old uh, garbage in, garbage out, data you're putting in, data you're putting out. But I do think you nailed it, Brandon, of augmenting what we do, bringing the human intelligence. What do I want out of this? How do I get this interface to give me what I want or what I need? And then the computer's getting better and better at parsing that data and figuring out what it is we want and what we need. I mean, I love it in behavioral health. I, I do therapy every two weeks, 45 minutes, virtual. I get distracted. My therapist gets distracted. 
is there a cycle of recording that that can spit out trends, spit out what I might yeah. need more focus on? What am I yeah. saying even subconsciously or, or that I don't even recognize? Those tools exist today, yeah. which is exciting. And they didn't exist like yesterday. I mean, yesterday, yes, but like, you know, metaphorical yesterday, they didn't where it's sentiment analysis. It's not just processing the words. It's actually listening for tone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are, you know, I hope this is not true of you, Dan, but there are people who are in therapy, obviously, who are like at very acute risk for very acute outcomes and 100%. being able to identify, mm -hmm. you know, not just in what is being said, but how it's being said, being able to say, okay, of your patient census, you know, this 5%, you really need to, you know, direct to more critical care. Honestly, I think it's going to save lives. I think it's yeah. going to change lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think even about the 45 minute session that you mentioned, like how many words right. are said in that 45 minute I talk session? A lot. Just, right. And well, that's what you're there for that. I mean, that's the right. therapeutic part of it, right? That's why talk, talk therapy works is getting you talking. Talk therapy doesn't work if it's just silence. Right. And right. so, right. You know, that becomes a giant body of, you know, we think about not just those, but all of the talk therapy sessions happening all across the United States, yeah, the world, but especially the United States. I've got a fact later if you're a second, but it's just a huge corpus of data, essentially, that right. no human can really process. And right. uh, excited to do apply humans to it. Just the, the one thing that I heard, and this is a, a pretty sobering fact, there are more psychologists in New England than there are in Africa. Hmm. And I think that's, you know, there's some established versus emerging country dynamic there. Obviously, Africa is a continent, not a country, but you know what I'm saying? There's yep. also a, a focus on mental health in the U.S. that as short as we are on mental health professionals, we are relative to the world long on awareness that mental health is part of human health. And that's very much been on the upswing, you know, the last three years plus, you know, pandemic followed by you know, Black Lives Matter and social consciousness being raised and the pandemic stretching on to the point where we're all under stress, you know, and then, you know, the problem we have, just the civility problem that we have nowadays and the fact that people just maybe coming out of the pandemic and just under more stress, people just don't know how to get along and how to be comfortable with one another, you know, like that's why the timing of your move to behavioral health, Brandon, is really interesting because like it does feel like external factors really transform that industry probably as much as any, you know, and it's actually a place where, you know, I'm looking mostly at education, but we're always looking for adjacencies. And it does feel like, you know, frequently we talk about gaming and media as adjacencies, but behavioral health is a really interesting one when you do think about education. I haven't done this in a while, but I get social emotional, baby. Uh, yeah. Sing I it for me, blended baby. It, I blended it a little bit into some kind of Barry White flow. But you, you know what I mean? Like, that's something we were talking about back in the day. The other thing we talked about is this blending, this augmentation. You know, we talked about centaurs and yep. blending human intelligence with AI. And then also the uncanny valley that when AI gets it wrong, still, it's because it's just socially awkward or it kind of misses the subtlety, the nuance, the intangibles that are that's more awesome. about what it is to be human. We're going to bring Nancy in in a bit, but is there any... Just us humans, part of the conversation, <laughs> other items. I got a couple things to add just on the Uncanny Valley piece. 
I found in video, it's still tough. So we are using, we've used Synthesia, which mm -hmm. not to give them a plug, but I think it's a good service. But it's good for videos that are short, meaning like two minutes or less. Synesthesia is like virtual humans, right? Like you yeah, can create so, video based on a script or... Right. Know. And so what we're doing, we, we've like, we're hooking up AI tools to AI tools. So we're using ChatGPT to write scripts yep. and then feeding those scripts into Synesthesia. Mm -hmm which then produces, you know, digital video avatars and right. voices. You can yep. select your avatar, you can select her voice or his voice. And it's quite good. It's not quite out of the, the uncanny valley. My experience, this is from an N of one, but my experience is you can watch that for a couple minutes, but we, uh, we have a lot of continuing education courses, which are mm -hmm. required by boards to be no less than one hour. You know, that's like yeah. sort of the atomic unit. In some cases, I don't think it's watchable for an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. That may be different by the time someone is listening to this very episode in the future. <laughs> you're like, when you're listening, to it, we may already be using it. It may already be out of the Uncanny Valley. But in 2023 today, I, I don't think it quite is. Uncanny Valley, if, if folks don't know what it is. You may do a better job of this, but essentially there is on a curve of obviously machine to obviously human there is a progression where, you know, it's how humans react to machines that are like, you know, it's, it's Turing test related. Like, can you tell that this is a machine or not? And machines do well when they are obviously machines and, and do well from human perspective. And they do well when they're obviously humans, which is hard to get to. In the middle, there is this uncanny valley where they start to look like humans. They start to resemble whether it's, you know, in how they appear or how they interact with you. But you kind of can tell that they're not. And so like the hairs on the back of your neck go up a little and you're like, mm, that's uncanny. And we're not talking X-Men. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's where, honestly, I think we've gotten deeper into the uncanny valley, but we're not quite out of it yet. Specifically in video, I think that there are, yeah. there are chat bots that I think probably do pass the, the Turing test, probably do feel human that in, in fact are machines. <laughs> we actually had a, an experience where it went the other way. There was a woman on my team who finally met one of the clients that we've been working with. And that person was surprised to find out that she was a human yeah. because of yeah. how professional and responsive her communication was. And I thought that was, that was mostly a compliment. I think yeah. I'm going to take it as a compliment, but right. interesting to see it go the other way. You got the personality of a chatbot. I mean, right. Awesome. Yeah. She's a lovely woman, honestly. So, you know, again, I think uh, credit to her and her professionalism. Yep. If I remember so, right, we did do an episode about a second uncanny valley which is kind of what you're describing. Because I remember we were talking about like telemarketers yes. yep. and how like if you speak so much from a script that you, you don't seem human, that that actually is uncanny to the human perceiver too, where you're like, dude, throw me a bone. <laughs> Just get off your script. Give yeah. me something, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. We have these, you know, these sort of, these OSs uh, hard-coded, hard-wired into us that we, without really thinking about it, this is the sort of uncanny part of it. And both of those values you described, like you kind of know, yeah, right? You don't have to say, we don't have a, a checklist to say, you know, a human does the following 150 things, uh, but it's, it's just there. It's like just written into all of us. We can tell when something is human, when something isn't. Yeah, our intuition is real it's also embodied you know so it is interesting to sort of look at the arms race around intelligences and increasingly this idea of super intelligence which is something we also had talked about and you know we've talked about we talked about robot overlords and elon musk a lot back I, in 2016 2017 
We may have been a little more positive. I, I've, I was going to say. Maybe soured a little bit. I was thinking of him as Tony Stark. He might be more like Doc Ock. Something this very Marvel Cinematic Universe episode. You're welcome. The Elon yeah. Musk bit, it's just, we've talked about Neuralink so many times. The trials are beginning or not beginning. But it was interesting to me, you brought up gamification and, and gaming education. I don't know if you saw, I think it was the Activision CEO was doing a talk back about AI, about all these different things. And he actually name dropped Elon Musk and Neuralink saying that he believes there'll be games specifically created for brain implants right. that are specifically tailored to trick your brain, for lack of better words, into believing this experience happened. And that is the acknowledgement therein is just a moment of, wait, can I know that it's not real. Like if right. a, a trip is in my brain, is my mm -hmm. brain able to parse what is happening mm -hmm. and say, yes, this experience was real. No, this is coded and written to this chip. Like that, that's that next step we've been talking about so long. Yeah. That it's just now being openly spoken about and openly right. discussed as potential next steps of something like Neuralink. And I think a lot depends on whether you took the ayahuasca I was talking about <laughs> exactly earlier. That. But that's, again, that's a separate episode. Any other pieces from the two of you? I have one thing while you're getting Nancy ready. I attended a presentation where a spe the speaker, Danny Morrison, to give him credit because it was his work, was talking about the half-life of information in medical knowledge. So like, you know, when carbon dating something, things have a half-life where half of in, in the information side where half of it is no longer true. Hmm. And in 1950, that half-life was determined to be 50 years. So that 50 years later, half of what you learned in 1950 would no longer considered to be true. Wow. Uh, in 1980, it was 20 years. So in 1980, half the things 20 years later would no longer be true. In 2020, that number was down to 73 days. So, you know, I think in a world where it's so VUCA, everything is happening so fast. There's so many changes. You know, we'll talk about LLMs and uh, the power of these large data sets, like it has all of human history in it. There's more data being generated, you know, probably today than there was literally today than there was in, you know, thousands of years of human history. We're going to need to find ways to stay current with things and stay current with things that are actually believed to be true. And so I think, I do think that augmented intelligence piece is even more important in a world where that half-life of information is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. When you think about your therapist or your doctor, when she went to, you know, to grad school or med school 15 years ago, it's probably true that something like most of what she learned is no longer believed to be true. You just wow. broke my brain a little bit, Brandon, because thinking about like lawyers are trained to read, right? Lawyers are trained to go to the books and find the law. And so 73 days is just... right. We probably need to dig into that number, but it's getting really fast is the point. Because right. like, there's some bodies of knowledge that I think are probably a little more resilient that are not sure, being of course. turned upside down. But right, so other... like case law until cases yeah, are turned But I think a lot of like lawyers. skills development and things that used to be a best practice. You know, there's that old saw that I like, best practices are for amateurs. It's almost like by the time you learn a best practice, practice? By the time you learn a best practice, it's probably... Right outdated you know so right. there that is 73 day date was specifically in the medical right. field got it right? but like when you think about it wow in what field do we as humans most want the most <laughs> current things to be applied right, right. You know? it's uh, also where i mean on a positive note you referenced this brandon it's where we've probably seen the most meaningful breakthroughs have been around using ai even you know protein folding so when i keep coming back to where like there are 
technological breakthroughs that are powered by AI and humans. This is another example of that blend where like humans are using these tools, but you know, I, I always, I'm likening it to the opposite of war games. The only way to lose is not to play, you know, but yeah, let me bring that. Here's Nancy. So we'll see how much of this we actually use. This is what Nancy's <laughs> going to say at the beginning of the show. Welcome to Trending in Education, the podcast that humans have been running for many years. I'm Nancy, your virtual co-host, happy to be here and taking things one day at a time. I'm just hoping to find opportunities to contribute to the squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Trending in Ed feed to get the latest from Nancy, with Nancy interviewing a little bit of Dan and Brandon while we have them, and then I have the opportunity to get some quality one-on-one -on -one time with Nancy, which... Interestingly, is probably the most frequently requested and or commented upon aspect of this podcast. So be on the lookout for more Nancy-centered shows. Talk about the Uncanny Valley. Talk about all that's happening in AI and education these days. Nancy's show coming soon to a Trending in Ed feed near you. We're going to wrap up here with Just Us Humans. Getting a little more from Brandon and Dan for today's episode. And be on the lookout for more like this, both with old school humans and with what's now our old school virtual co-host, Nancy. Subscribe to Trending in Ed wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out now on YouTube. With that, we'll pick up here with Brandon and Dan's final thoughts as we wrap up this episode of Trending in Ed. I know that you and Dan and Melissa recently covered the Gartner Hype Cycle. One thing I wanted to mention, I did a little deep dive into the Gartner Hype Cycle over the last seven years, the time of this podcast. Yeah. And a, th a thing that I was interested to see is how the Gartner Hype Cycle has changed, not even calling out specific trends and where they appear year to year, but the Gartner Hype Cycle has, of course, passed the it's peak been of on inflated. its own meta meta it has yeah. did you talk about this no i just said it now that was the first there time. it is yeah yeah okay yeah. cool yeah so you know past the peak of inflated expectations there's the trough of disillusionment the slope of enlightenment and the plateau of productivity curves what's interesting when you look back in 2017 and then play it forward there's less and less that the gardner hype cycle is putting past the peak of inflated expectations yes. like the actual in 2023 there were zero things that were to the right of the graph right. beyond the peak. Right. You're about to go on the roller coaster. It's the most exciting part. Yeah. And nothing else is there. And so in 2017, there were seven trends that were beyond the peak. There were four that were in the trough and there was one that was in the slope of enlightenment. And it's gone from seven, four and one to four and five and zero to two and three and zero to one and three and zero to now zero, there's zero. Yeah. And so I, I think as a meta trend, I, I, I wonder if that speaks to whether it's the people at Gartner or, or yep. humans today, we just care about the new cool Honest. shit, yeah. right? You know, and I think there's maybe, maybe a less good interpretation of that, right? In terms of our ability to not just appreciate intuitiveness, but stick to itiveness as well. Mm -hmm. So as a future episode, Mike, I would love to come back with you and Dan and yeah. talk about, you know, actually do some of those trend mapping. Yeah. And then we talked about what things I think we got right and wrong back in the day. Yeah. So I think what we got right, you know, we got right some trend spotting things like the Gardner hype cycle, like Hull and IQ. I think we were early to talk about those. Yep. And we also had some great guests on the show, you know, people who had really interesting stories to, to tell and expertise to share. And then I think, you know, not to get like too maudlin about this, but our dynamic, I think the three of us work well together. Yeah. Dan, you made this happen. I wouldn't have done this without you. So I, I appreciate that 
you introduced me to being a podcast host and I brought that to the place I am at now. We had fun. I think the things like Dan's trivia questions with some ding, I think the lists, you know, I love a list. I think bracketology yeah. you mentioned at the top. So I think those are all good. I think things that, you know, we could have done better. I just, for me personally, I wish that I had more time to prep some of the topics. You know, I went deep on some things and pretty yeah. shallow on some others. And, you know, like being kind to myself, we all were doing it as, you know, yeah. in, in between and betwixt the day job, right? Yeah. So, but and we um, cranked out some content. Our cadence was pretty good. We were doing it was good. Yeah. One or more a week. Yeah. One or more a week was great. I wish that we had gotten started a couple years earlier. Like when mm -hmm. I think about it, sure. you know, Dan and, and Mike, we were all talking about this. I, I give us credit for doing it, but, yeah. you know, had we done it even earlier, like, I'm not sure if we'd be Joe Rogan, but we might have gotten even earlier adoption might mean even more listeners. Yeah. And then finally, I wish that maybe we'd done a little bit more proprietary tracking of things like a meta layer that sits on mm -hmm. top of Gardner or Holden IQ or Rohit, mm -hmm. non-obvious trends. We did really good work. And I think that there is that sort of meta layering that we could have put a wrapper around mm -hmm. even more than we did. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things that we're most optimistic about and things that folks should steer clear of. I am, I mentioned this at the top, I, I am most optimistic about the transformative power of AI and really being augmented intelligence. I think that there are obviously risks. There are obviously, there will be disruption to industries and jobs. And, you know, Dan had mentioned earlier in the show, things like deep fakes and how it can be used for ill. I don't want to hand wave that semicolon, but I also think that the net impact of AI is going to be really positive. Just right. processing large data sets that humans simply can't, it's going to make things better for humans, including humans in specialized fields like behavioral health. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think this thing to steer clear of, maybe it's Pollyannish to think that we could, but the doom scrolling and divisiveness, you know, obviously we are in a moment in time when we're recording this, where there are terrible things happening around the world. And we're heading into an election cycle in the U.S. in 2024 that I think is going to be pretty fraught. So yeah. I don't mean to stick our collective heads in the sand and just pretend away the things that are happening. But I think if you spend your time, which that is the, the one major limiting factor in the human condition is time. If you spend your time in a recursive loop about things being bad, I think it's, it's hard to get out of that. And so mm -hmm. I hope that we... You know, in whatever brings us joy, whether that's our families or our friends or, you know, our hobbies or whatever. I hope that while we're keeping an eye to the world and making the world a better place in whatever small way we can, we're also taking time for our wellness and our joy. That's yeah, my, yeah. my message looking forward for all of us in some small way. And just to build on that, we'll always have podcasting, right? We can listen to podcasts. We can record pods. It's like... You know, I have a four-year-old. He's almost done with his blankets, but not yet. You know, it's like a comfortable blanket and it's nice to dust off the old one. This is keeping it real from back in the day. Brandon, amazing to have you, Dan. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for rejoining us. Appreciate it, Mike. Uh, pleasure to always chop it up and discuss things. Gets my brain working on things I don't every day, which I appreciate and keeps me up to speed on what's trending in education. Awesome. Uh, hopefully our listeners enjoyed this as much as we did. If you did, please subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. Be on the lookout for us, bringing some of the old school trending in ed classics back into your feed so that you get to hear some of the original awesome. In addition to all the new hotness that we got going on, we'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <laughs>